violent crime, political unrest, financial instability. Everything points to an impending crisis, a crisis like no other. Tune in to World's Last Chance Radio to learn how you can spiritually prepare for what lies ahead. WLC Radio, preparing a people for the Saviour's imminent return. to another truth-filled message from WLC Radio. I'm your host, Miles Roby. And I'm Dave Wright. Thanks for tuning in. Now, today's programme is going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. Now, hear me out on this one. If you've joined us before, you know that at World's Last Chance, we like to use the personal name of God, which is Yahweh, or Yah. The Saviour's name is quite similar. It's Yahushua. Now, today we're going to discuss why it's important to use the true divine names. We've received a number of letters from listeners all across the world wanting to know what difference it makes. Now, some have asked if we're part of the sacred name movement or the Hebrew roots movement. Those are fair questions, and I can see why there'd be some confusion. At first glance, some of our beliefs are very similar to those promoted by the sacred name and the Hebrew roots movements. Yeah, sure. And well, besides using the actual name of the Father and the Son, we believe in worshipping on the true seventh day Sabbath and we advocate a return to observing all of Yahweh's holy days. But you're right, Dave. That doesn't mean we endorse a return to Judaic traditions. The Apostle Peter wrote, Sanctify Yahweh Eloah in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Today, I want to be able to provide a solid answer to listeners' questions as to why believers should use the sacred name. Good, good, good. So, what do you have for us, Dave? Well, as you already know, WLC does not endorse the Hebrew Roots Movement or any other philosophy of religion that looks to the Jews as authorities on truth and righteousness. We are merely using the revealed name of the Father and the Son... That's all. We do not endorse returning to Judaism. Paul explains why in his letter to the Galatians. He wrote, Abraham believed Yah, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye, therefore, that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Today's Jews do not have any special in with Yahweh. They rejected the Saviour. While the individual descent of Abraham may still be saved, as a nation, they are no longer his set-apart people. On his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, while the crowd was chanting and waving palm branches, the Saviour wept saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. See, he was saying, I wanted you to be my special people, but you would not. And because he'll never force our will, He added with a broken heart, Behold, 
your house is left unto you desolate. So, so it was at the crucifixion that Yah rejected the Jews? No, no. Mercy oh. still lingered for a few more years. But when oh. the Jews began open warfare against Yahweh in the person of his saints at the stoning of Stephen, they chose to no longer be his chosen people. And as we saw, that honour was then given to believers. Those which are of faith, Paul says, are the children of Abraham. Remember, the Jews already rejected Yah years before when they asked for a king. All right. Now, Yah told Samuel to go ahead and give them a king, adding, They have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Okay, so the reason I want to interject... Um, because, you know, it seems as if they're saying that Yahuwah's chosen people are no longer his chosen people. Um, <clears throat> I do know for a time, you know, Yahuwah said that he would uh, scatter his children to the four corners of the earth. Okay, but there would also be a time that he gathered them back in. There is a difference between the chosen and the remnant of believers, okay? Because yes, Yahushua died so that all who would believe, okay, will have life eternal and will be reconciled unto the Father. Yes, okay? But there is still a clear distinction. There is a number, 144,000 of the direct bloodline seed of Abraham will return unto the Father. They will be gathered. But I want to share here, um, Second Chronicles, chapter seven, starting at verse fourteen, where the father says, <clears throat> "If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land." There's a specific people that he's talking about here. This isn't an all who would believe people, okay, that he's talking about here. All right. So let's just be clear that there is a distinction between those that believe and those that were chosen. There's a, a difference between those who are called and those who are chosen. Okay. Let us be also clear that <clears throat> two thirds of the direct seed of Abraham will be cut off leaving 144,000 strong, faithful believers. Hallelujah. So let's get back to hear um, what the, the host of WLC Radio has to say. And hold on. Um, I, I also want to say this too, uh, concerning the Jews that they spoke of. So here we go. The Jews that are Jews today are not true Jews, but imposters. The earth is still waiting with great expectation for the sons of Yahuwah to be revealed. I, I appreciate these laborers for getting the truth out about my father's name, about my brother, my kinsman, redeemer's um, true name. But let's be clear. Uh, they are part of the remnant if they make it through until you know, the final day, they will be part of the remnant, okay? But the 144,000 
chosen ones will still be directly, biologically uh, descending from Father Abraham. Now we can continue. There's no more light to be gained from the Jews. We need to be clear on that. Too often, people who look to the Jews for new light focus too closely on what is not part of Scripture, but actually comes from Pharisaical tradition. You're absolutely right with that. And in the Jewish encyclopedia, there's an article entitled The Pharisees. Now, listen while I read you a quote from it. It's very interesting what it says. Okay. It says... With the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the Sadducees disappeared altogether, leaving the regulation of all Jewish affairs in the hands of the Pharisees. Henceforth, Jewish life was regulated by the Pharisees. The whole history of Judaism was reconstructed from the Pharisaic point of view, and a new aspect was given to the Sanhedrin of the past. A new chain of tradition supplanted the older priestly tradition. Pharisaism shaped the character of Judaism and the life and thought of the Jew for all the future. Now, Miles, this is significant. I'm really glad mm. you shared it, actually. Think about it for a minute. Who were the Saviour's primary enemies when he was on the earth? It was the Pharisees, wasn't it? Yeah. So why should any of us turn to the Jews today for more spiritual light? Which is a very good point, Dave. Okay, can you share with our listeners the, the reasons why believers should use the divine name? Now, obviously, it's, it's a privilege to know the personal name of the Almighty. But once you do know it, is there any particularly pressing reason why it should be used? Most definitely. Scripture repeatedly urges believers to call upon the name of Yahweh. In most cases, it's translated as call upon the name of the Lord. But it doesn't use the title in the original. In the original, it says to call upon the name of Yahweh. And you can't really call upon the name of Yahweh if you aren't actually using it, can you? No, and there's more. There is no title, certainly no title that also applies to false gods that can fully capture the essence of the Father for who he is. Yeah. In many modern cultures, parents name their kids whatever name strikes their fancy or sounds pleasant to the ear. But in ancient times, as well as in many cultures still today, children were given names with meaning. Yahweh's name is even more significant because it is a verb of being and it's really beautiful. Every single verb of being can accurately be used as the name of Yahweh, the self-existent one. He is, he was, he shall be, he even shall have been, always. Only Yahweh's name fully captures the essence of who and what he is to each one of us personally. Mm. And as such, it's also a promise of what he shall always be as well. That's beautiful, really is beautiful, Dave. Yahweh's name is first explained in Exodus 3. You'll recall at the burning bush, Moses said, Okay, you want me to go back to Egypt and tell them all the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. But who shall I say sent me? Yeah, well, it's a fair question, Dave. I mean, the Israelites had been in Egypt several generations, and Egypt well, had lots of gods. Right, exactly, they did. And in answering Moses' question, I believe we are given a command to actually use the divine name. Exodus chapter 3, verse 15 says, 
Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Yahweh, the God or Eloah of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. See, Yah never intended that his name would not be used. He never intended for it to be lost or forgotten or, even worse, actively covered up as the rabbinical Jews do in their traditional refusal to use the sacred name. Yah wants his name used. He wants everyone to have the assurance of how very close he is to us. And with a name that's a verb of being, it also always reminds us of just who and what he is to us. Always. That's right. Now, another reason I believe it is good to use Yah's personal name is the example given by the Old Testament prophets. They rejoiced in declaring his name. It's hard to get that from modern translations of the Bible who have substituted titles, but in the original, they frequently used the divine name. Deuteronomy 32 states, I proclaim the name of Yahweh, ascribe greatness to our God. Furthermore, Yahushua himself pleased his father by making his name known. And it says that. Whereabouts? It does. Why don't you read it for us, actually? Uh. In uh, John chapter 17, and it's verse 26. So have a look at that in the Gospels. John chapter 17, verse 26. All right. It says, And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Well, there you go. And Yahushua is to be our example in all things. So... Yeah, you're right, Dave. I mean, it's obviously something that we should be doing too. And there's more. Ezekiel 39 contains a prophecy that Yahweh will make his name known to all peoples. Maybe you could uh, read that one for us, Miles. Sort well. of coming. Yep. Uh, so Ezekiel 39, it's verses 6 to 7. Then they shall know that I am Yahweh, so I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel and I will not let them profane my holy name any more. Then the nations shall know that I am Yahuwah, the Holy One in Israel. It's very interesting, Michael. Okay, so turn over now and take a look at Micah chapter 4, yeah. verse 5. Okay, 4. Okay. Uh, For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of Yahuwah, our God forever and ever. See, what distinguishes Yah's people from others is the name of the God they worship. Can we call Yah by the titles Lord, God, or, or King? Mm. Sure, he is, after all, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God above all gods. However, using only titles does not distinguish which God, and that is important. It is. And, you know, it really reminds me of Isaiah 52, 6, which says that my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. See, we demonstrate we know his name when we use it. Exactly. Yes, spot on. And remember, the son came to reveal the father in character and purpose. They are the same. 
just before his death, the Saviour prayed for believers throughout all time. He said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This was the Saviour's deepest desire for his followers, that we would be one with him and the Father. Now, when we use the Father's actual name, we are acknowledging who and what he is, but more, who and what he is to us. And when we use the Son's name, Yahushua, we are doing more than just forming certain sounds with our tongue and lips. The name Yahushua means Yahweh saves. So every time we say Yahushua, we're confessing the fact that we are saved by the Father's grace through faith in his Son. Yes, yes indeed. We call on the Son and praise the Father at the very same time for having saved us through his Son. But now, listen to this. Remember, Yahweh's name is a verb of being. The name Yah is in the name of the Son, Yahushua. You can hear it. You can. So what is so beautiful is that the Saviour's name contains all the verbs of being tenses as well. It means Yahweh saves, present tense. It also means Yahweh saved, past tense. And it contains the promise that no matter what happens in the future, Yahweh will save, future tense. That's all encapsulated in the name of Yahushua. Amazing, really is. I never knew that, Dave. There's so much meaning there, isn't there? It really reminds me of a passage in Philippians 2. It says, Yahushua humbled himself in obedience to Yah and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, Yah elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Yahushua every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Yahushua the anointed is Lord to the glory of Yahweh the Father wonderful passage such depth of meaning there it really is and we've never seen it before when we only knew the titles stay tuned folks we're going to be right back Okay, family, so if you have gotten to this point, I want to first and foremost thank you so much for being patient and and just sticking with the segment. So now I want to talk to my people. I'm specifically speaking to a specific people with what I have to say, okay? Um, Because for some reason... The hosts of uh, WLC Radio 
have seemed to uh, overlook some scriptures. So my thing is they're new with their revelation. Okay. They are uh, by birth Edomites who through Yah's grace and mercy uh, have been given the privilege of knowing his name and have been given uh, salvation through Yahushua Hamashiach. But um, I want to just clear a few things up for my people. Hallelujah. The vision of Yeshayahu, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Yehuda and Yerushalayim in the days of Uzayahu, Yatham, Ahaz, and Yezekiahu, kings of Yehuda. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for Yahuwah has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Yashael does not know my people do not consider. Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken Yahuwah. They have provoked the Holy One of Yashael unto anger. They are gone away backward. Verse 5. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Israel, hear me. This means that our sins are blatantly before Yahuwah from then until now. We are still in Yeshayahu chapter 1. I'm now in verse 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate and overthrown by those strangers. And the daughter of Tisayan is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except Yahuwah Tizvot had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Saddam. We would have been like unto Amorah. Family, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 10. Hear the word of Yahuwah, ye rulers of Saddam. Give ear unto the Torah of our Elohim, ye people of Amorah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says Yahuwah? I am full of the ascending smoke offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or lambs or of he-goats. When ye come to appear before me, who has required this of your hands to tread my courts? Family, he is talking about the way that we are worshiping now, from the customs that we've learned from then, from those that are heathen nations. Verse 13 of Yeshayahu chapter 1. Bring no more an oblation of evil incense. It is an abomination to me. 
no longer proclaim the Sabbath and the feasts and the festivals. They are in vain. New moons and feasts are odious to my soul and are the burden I weary of lifting. Do you guys understand that when this was being written, we were already in apostasy, honoring a Sabbath that Yahuwah did not designate. At this time, we were giving worship to Saturnalia. And most of you until today still hold this Sabbath, so-called Saturday, holy. I'm going to continue. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourself. Make yourself clean. Put away the evil doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says Yahuwah. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat good in the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of Yahuwah has spoken it. How is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers. Your silver is become dross, your wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves gifts and follows after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore, Adonai, Yahuwah, Tizvot, the mighty one of Yasharel, Ah, I will ease me of my adversaries and avenge me of my enemies. And I will turn my hand upon you and purely purge away your dross and take away all your tin. And I will restore your judges. Hallelujah, family. Listen, verse 26. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. To Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. Now let us be clear when they speak of converts here. If you look up in the Strong's Concordance, the word that equates to this, they mean a repented people. They are not talking about other nationalities that adapt to our faith. Let us be clear. Verse 28. And the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake Yahuwah shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired. And ye shall be confounded for the gardens that ye have chosen. These are the places where they worshipped the idols, family. Okay? I'm going to keep going. You guys got to study to show yourselves approved. For ye shall be as an oak 
whose leaf fades, and as a garden that has no water. And the strong shall be as tow, and the maker of it as a spark, and they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them. Family, I thank you so much for listening. We will continue with this topic in part two of Cold Yet Not Chosen. This is your sister, Ajabatia Leisha Reed, and I have something to say in spirit and in truth, and I'll say a little more tomorrow. Shalom.